We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Welcome in to your Wednesday, June 14th episode of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are back to talk about something that really hasn't been discussed much, maybe because it slid under the radar the last day of minicamp, but we got to hear from a lot of the assistant coaches, uh, you know, important assistants, in my opinion, uh, heading off the field, uh, you know, kind of tying together the whole entire offseason ahead of training camp right because this is the last we'll see these guys until uh, until they get back in in july for the official training camp so uh, this is something that i don't think has been discussed from not just the obr but relatively everybody i mean we have tried to put up some things like i wrote something on uh, quotes that we were able to get from jason tarver about the defense which were really really strange andrew spades here with me andrew if i say attack and fix what is what does that mean to you uh, yeah, I thought you know, it's, 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 it was a really interesting way of describing it. it was one of the things that really caught my ear from the, the Tarver press conference was um, talking about uh, the, the defense in those terms. It, 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 I, I kind of understood him once I like listened to it twice. I almost understood him and correct me if I'm wrong here, Jake, but it almost sounds like he's saying attack or fix, right? Where it's like, you're either in the mode of attacking for the for the on that play, or you're in the mode of fixing what the what the defensive line has sort of left open if if they're the ones attacking. It's confusing, man. Yeah. I think that you're right. It feels like they want the general philosophy of this defense. I think the thing that I continue to take away, whether it's Denzel Ward making quotes about it or you know, Tarver and some others, like they want guys to think way less. Yep. Like they want them thinking way less. So if you're of the, we're bringing four guys, they're attacking and they're not thinking they're just beating their man. Like, I think we had this quote floated around Brown's side of things last year and the year before under Joe Woods, where we said, you know, rush the quarterback and on the way to the quarterback, play the run just if it happens to be there. I think this is the way they're saying it. It sounds like this is what they're truly chasing because, you know, whether it's short saying going from two gap to one gap, like 
they're saying, fine, your gap is here and just play like your hair is on fire the whole way through that, that situation. So yeah, like attack and fix is a really weird way to say things, but I think what it comes down to is your job is either to play crazy, pursuing whatever your responsibility is, or your job is to sort of uh, sift through the, tr- the the chaos and clean up whatever that chaos disrupts, right? I think that's my general vibe about it. Like if that means you're not in rush, the quarterback makes some kind of decision, you're fixing whatever the quarterback's decision is, or you're fixing the run wherever it goes off of the chaos that's created. Uh, it just feels like, and also another Tarver thing that he said was playing fast. Like th- this is... I, I I would guess change, right? Like last year, they, they didn't play really fast at times. I thought their linebackers were almost very hesitant read players uh, at times. So there's this, this idea of playing really, really fast, which is also standing out to me as well. So uh, the Tarver stuff was interesting. That That is what I wrote about. That is obviously um, something that stood out to me is this whole idea of attack and fix. And like, we just want you playing hard and aggressive and we'll fix things after you do that first step, right? Yes, it, 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 it's, it's interesting because I don't, I don't know that we've seen that style of defense played in Cleveland. You know, I mean, Greg Williams was aggressive, but he also had a deep safety playing, you know, in, in Euclid often. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, as, as far as this sort of thing where you're not, you know, and, and it's not to say that, that Schwartz is going to be bringing eight guys on every play, but the, I, the idea, the, the the sort of philosophy that seems to be underlying all of this is like, if you can get disruption at the front, that will make it easier for the players behind to kind of clean it up, is what it kind of, you know, the, to distill what they've been talking about. That's what it sounds like to me. So the the bet sounds like it's, you know, be disruptive. And then, you know, if you disrupt the offense's first plan, it's going to be much easier to sort of rally and tackle based on that disruption, which I, I, I think I understand the principle of it, but it does feel like a pretty big departure from what we've seen in Cleveland over the past many years. It sure, Yeah, it sure does. I don't know if they're going to be like as aggressive as some of these crazy defenses we've seen over the years, like especially down in Miami where right. it's like cover zero and we're, we're just going to mug every gap and go crazy. I don't know if it's going to be that, but it certainly seems like, if you follow breadcrumbs, it's pointing in that direction. Um, we'll kind of do Tarver here first, and then we'll go to Ben Bloom in a second. Uh, so Tarver also noted something that stood out, at least to me, was the comments about JOK, right? Where he kind of had uh, noted the body type, yeah. right? Like what yeah. he's been going through physically. And, you know, I've, I've kind of noticed at least I'm trying to find the direct quote here. Uh, when when JOK sh- sh- showed up for off-season OTAs, I just, uh, I didn't really think that he looked very, I'm not saying he needs to be thick, right? Um, but I'm saying he needs to be a little bit physically stronger in a sense. Um, and, and, and Tarver kind of publicly challenged him. He said yeah, he needs to continue developing his body, especially in this little time off. It's only six weeks here they get off. Yep. He's got a nice window right now that if he takes care of business, he can get to his body to play game zero, the extra preseason game, then however many of those we get, then 17 plus because that's the goal, right? That's the goal so that the challenge now is to be productive pro, know the scheme so well that he gets to stay on the field. That is not an encouraging quote in no. any way, shape, or form. 
Uh, it no. sounds like they don't like how thin he is. I mean, I would have guessed he weighed like 210. I, yeah. It could be less. He did not look very big. Yeah. And like the the thing that is also stood out to me is be a productive pro and know the scheme so well that he gets to stay on the field. Yep. I'll let you react to that quote, but it does tell me I know he's a he's a vegan and all that doesn't mean, you know, vegans obviously focus on losing body fat and all that I get. But you kind of wonder, is there a love of the weight room, right? Like, is he is he physically getting stronger? I, I don't know, man. I'll let you go at it. He does some absurdly fun things, but there is a there's some concern to be found inside that quote. Yeah. Well, and I think especially when you think about the players that are getting praise right um you know jordan kanasich is getting uh, a ton of praise voluntary praise from the head coach the defensive coordinator and uh, tarver shouted him out several times in his interview um you know then that's a guy that doesn't really have a, a spot you know a starting spot right now if walker is back and taki taki are back um healthy then you know kanasich isn't really starting but certainly a player that could take snaps from a, a player like JOK. I think the question here really is, you know, and this is something, you know, I'm sure JOK will be available to the media at some point during training camp. It'd be interesting to hear, you know, I, I, if I could ask JOK a question, I would ask him, do you agree with that assessment from coach Tarver, right? Like, do you agree you need to be stronger? Because I wonder if there's a little bit of a difference of opinion there of you know Tarver saying essentially it's not just about being stronger for an individual tackle he made sure to be clear that it's about holding up over the season right it's about adding mass so that you're not losing more and more of those collisions as the season goes on and that wears your body down and so um, it's a lot like when you know taking an example from this this year's draft people talk about Bryce Young as much as it's about his height it's really about his frame right he's a very slender guy And the concern isn't necessarily that he's going to get swamped in one hit, but the concern is that over 17 games, uh, a slender, uh, a slighter frame does not hold up to abuse as well. And, and you start to develop those nagging injuries. And I think that's really what, what Tarver was talking about. So I wonder if JOK agrees with that, as you said, um, coming into the off season program, you know, he looked thin uh, and this is his third season. So, you know, Tarver also said he's been working more on rehabbing his injury. So maybe JOK's philosophy is get that right, get healthy, and then work to add mass through the next six weeks, eight weeks through training camp so that he's, you know, maybe by the time the season rolls around, he's closer to 230. That's certainly possible, right? We know that guys can can add that kind of weight pretty quickly if, they, if they're in the, the building every day, you know, the way they – help them with protein shakes and all the different things that they can do to really put, you know, Nick Harris talked about it last year, right? Being able to put on a ton of weight uh, just to hold up. So it's possible that that's his approach and we'll see when training camp rolls around. But I do think that there's, you know, and then I didn't even really address the other one, which you mentioned, which is the, you know, the um, more of the decision-making type piece, which, you know, really, really calls into question, you know, some of the long-term future of JOK in this scheme, right? Because, uh, you know, I could see, I I thought when Schwartz took this job, there was a chance that JOK was going to be his favorite player. And there was a chance that he was going to really be marginalized because he's just not able to do the things that, uh, you know, Schwartz wants him to do in the scheme. 
Yeah, none of that should make us feel very optimistic. I, I just, not to say that he can't have a good year, it can't all work out and be fine, but I do think there's some in-house concern about whether the guy can hold up uh, for an entire season. And uh, those quotes kind of stood out, because he also had another chance to to give him praise, and he kind of gave praise to the entire linebacker unit. So, um, you know, not to, to, to put out negative material, but that's sort of where we're headed with that. It I doesn't doesn't altogether uh, give off positive vibes. So, um, and again, he noted in that same quote about giving everybody a chance to, um, you know, sort of figure this out. He said, he asked if the scheme fits JOK. He said, he thinks it does. He said, I think he can play in either schemes and this is a good scheme for all of our guys because I'm excited about this game for backers because it's that it's, it's, uh, that, that it's things move in front of you and go as fast as you can. It's our job to fix it still. Very interesting fix it thing that he loves to say there. Um, okay, we'll move off that. Ben Bloom, did I think you had listened to Ben Bloom? You're going to write up a yeah, little bit. Can I can I just say one more thing about that? Yeah, do it up. I, I think it really highlights and underlines a big question about what this defense looks like because they didn't bring in other than Matt Adams, who's going to be a special teams player for the most part. They didn't bring in outside linebacker talent, hmm, right? No. And and they're changing defensive schemes. They they really redid their defensive line, as we know, and I think we agree that that was necessary. They brought in Rodney McLeod on the back end, um, you know, and and obviously I think have a ton of talent in the secondary. I think what happens with this linebacker group is really a big question, and I don't think it's maybe getting talked about enough because, it, you know, to me it kind of feels like the defensive tackle room going into last year where you can you can absolutely look at the linebacker group and say, oh, I see a path to them being successful. But I also think there's a chance, Jake, that we come back to these conversations. We're sitting there in October and November, and it's, you know, the 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 motto of the defense, Tarver saying attacks and attack and fix it. What if the linebacker group can't do it, right? What if they're not athletic enough or um, with it enough in the scheme, quick enough processors, and all of a sudden the, the, the defensive line is attacking, and then there's just sways of open ground behind the defensive line because the linebackers aren't where they're supposed to be. I think there's a, I think there's a chance. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I think there's a chance that we have a similar feeling about this linebacker room by midseason that we did about the defensive tackle room last year, because I just don't see, I don't feel confident that these pieces, the sort of, you know, it's sort of a land of misfit toys back there. I don't feel confident that they're going to get it. The one thing I will say, Tarver's a hell of a coach. He did a great job last year. So I'll give him some credit and I'll hope that he can, get them to where they need to be this year. But I don't think it's as sure of a thing. And I think it's worth mentioning that there's some questions there. Yeah. In terms of position groups that like you kind of go through these and you, you can, you can pinpoint um, the groups in which carry the most concern. The linebackers carry a ton of concern. Like they, they really do. They, uh, it might work out. They might play well enough. They might surprise us. There's talent. Walker can play. JOK can play but they both have injury history, Jacob Phillips injury history, right? Like these guys are not, these aren't new. These aren't new situations with, with injuries and like depth. And maybe like you said, Tarver figures it out. He seems optimistic about the scheme in a way that I didn't notice. He was optimistic about it last year. So uh, we'll see. He might think it's just an easier job, easier role for these guys, but uh, that's banking on again, your defensive line being a lot better, a lot, lot better. So we'll segue over to defensive line, which is uh probably fitting. So Ben Bloom, who is just a character, I, I don't really know. I don't remember him talking very much uh, in, in recent years, even though he was the run game coordinator in recent years. So 
Um, like I said a second ago, you're right. You're writing up something on Bloom. So is there anything takeaway worthy from what he had to say? Yeah. I mean, I think your point about him being a character is, is well taken right off the top. Um, uh, he is, yeah, he is a unique dude and, um, brings a, you know, certainly an energy and perspective to the defensive line room that's different. Um, and you know, in the NFL, different is always a question, right? Because sometimes different can be really good in the NFL and other times different can have you to the, to where, you know, the guys just aren't listening because they don't, you know, NFL players have been in organized football for what, 15 years before they make it to the league, certainly 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and they get used to being coached a certain way. They get used to being asked to do things a certain way. And I, I, you know, listen, I'm not on the field. I, I, you know, I, I was not at minicamp, but you see some of the videos of the way Bloom is running his practices. And then you see, you know, his press conference quotes. And I mean, it's just very clear that he is not sort of the, the typical football coach. Right. Um, and, uh, I think that could be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. And so I guess time will tell, um, as far as his resume, you know, he mostly, his experience has mostly been with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, as a, as a defensive assistant, he coached the defensive ends one year, 2015. And then I guess they must've changed coaching staffs after that year, because then he moved to special projects for two years and then was the linebackers coach in 18 and 19 before coming to Cleveland in 2020 in 20, he was a senior defensive assistant and in 21 and 22, he's a defensive run game coordinator, uh, which is the guy responsible for the, you know, the, the defense's run game defense, which is. Not, you know, being connected to the 2020 Cleveland Browns run game defense, <laughs> not what it's you be. not a career highlight for, no. for, for anyone, you know. So for him to move from there to being a defensive line coach this year, I think is also interesting. Um, you know, uh, I think he, he's a guy that I think they brought in for a reason. Uh, and I, I think, you know, there's I, I believe at different points I've understood that he is analytically inclined and um, a little bit more conversant in that that world than a lot of uh, assistant NFL coaches are. But I do think that there's some question. Now, the specifics of what he said, uh, you know, he talked a lot about, um, you know, energy, which was, I think, a lot due to the the media asking him kind of what his philosophy was. Mm -hmm. um, but he was, you know, he was talking specifically about trying to get guys, you know, in in motivated and, and excited to be practicing. He was talking about um, the, the their plans for rota rotating uh, along the defensive line, uh, using Miles Garrett, you know, overall less being a good thing, right? More like 70% of snaps rather than 80%. Um, I don't think he used those numbers, but but I think that's the kind of the consensus that's been coming uh, from the media and, and, and from camp is that they're going to try and reduce Garrett's overall snaps. And then you're able to rotate uh, Okoronkwo in more with Zedarius Smith as well. So I think that, you know, that piece is going to be interesting to see how his rotations look compared to the way that Chris Kiffin rotated things over the last two years. Um, you know, and then the other thing that I think is worth mentioning is, uh, you know, this the Jim Washburn thing is kind of hanging out here in the background where Washburn was a longtime assistant coach underneath Jim Schwartz and is on staff now as a sort of defensive assistant. And there's some question of how long he will be involved with the Browns and in what capacity. So in, it, you know, I don't, I wouldn't go so far. I don't know enough to say this for certain, 
but it gives you the sense that maybe Bloom has got either support or somebody kind of watching over his shoulder to kind of make sure that things are done the way that Schwartz wants them to be done. Um, and, you know, we know from his previous stops that Jim Schwartz puts a lot of stock into his defensive line. So there's going to be a lot of attention on this specific piece of the defense. And I think it's really interesting that the guy that they've got running it is, you know, has, has run it one year previously in his NFL experience. The thing, and we'll talk, let's just dive into this now, because we didn't really get anything from Brandon Lynch, who spoke for like two and a half minutes. This is kind yeah. of weird, but. Very weird. The question is, with Schwartz stuff, is like, is there enough, let me put it this way. It feels like it's it's not just Schwartz's defense. Take, it's how well, it's not how well Schwartz gets it to the players. To me, it, it feels like more than anything, it's how well he coaches his coaches. Yep. Because. I can't think of many guys on this coaching staff that give you a ton of optimism. Tarver, yes, yeah, I can see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bloom has NFL experience, but I'm telling you, you listen to him talk one time, and you're like, okay, all right. Yep. You know, that, I, I that's just, the vibe. yeah, like I yeah. don't know. I'm curious from your side, man, how much you trust this group to get it done, like a one to ten, get it done. Because, and I know he talked about this, and it's Schwartz did specifically that his role is not just coaching players, it is coaching coaches, but it does give you some level of concern. It gives me a level of concern. Yeah. I don't want to speak for you, but... Uh... No, it uh, absolutely. And and what I would say to that is that's that's a noble sentiment from Jim Schwartz, and I appreciate it. But at the same time, uh, the defense also needs coaching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, um, they have a, a long road in front of them to, to fix what happened last year. Um, it's not as if, you know they're sort of a, a steady ship and, and Schwartz can really invest a lot of his energy and time into teaching Ben Bloom how to coach defensive line or teaching Brandon Lynch how to coach cornerbacks. Like uh, that can happen to a certain extent, but they, you know, they, there needs to be a lot of development from a lot of players on this defense for them to kind of accomplish what, you know, the optimistic prognostications of what the Browns could do on defense this year. For, them, for those to come true, they really have to, players have to improve. A player like Greg Newsom has to improve. Even a player like Denzel Ward has to improve. Grant Delpit. I mean, the, the list is long, Jake. Sure is. And I think that above anything else with the defense, it's it's going to take time. Don't don't think it's just going to happen uh, as quickly as some hope. And I think they're trying to reduce the thought process around defense and how much they think as a group in a, in a means to improve this, Andrew. But like, I do think that there's it's fair to be concerned about it. We're all super optimistic, but it's fair to be concerned about oh, they didn't get this guy, this de- like they wanted Matt Burke, remember the defensive right. line yep. coach to potentially come over. Couldn't get an interview. He goes and he's I think is he the DC at the Texans now? So like I'm just saying they didn't really it doesn't feel like they had a home run assistant coach hire outside of the coordinator but again the coordinator could be enough reducing yeah. the amount of thinking could be enough it could all work out they've done a yeah. great job adding pieces but no just, yeah the coaches are you know you can and let's it. let's put some numbers to this right that they've got below jim schwartz they've got seven assistant coaches on defense um it, you know five of those coaches have no nfl coaching experience outside of their current roles in cleveland yeah, right. it's it's not an impressive group. And, and really so and not. the and the two that do, you know, Tarver obviously is the exception. Ben Bloom has one year of previous experience as a defensive line coach for a Cowboys team in 2016 that that went 4 and 12. 
And, and so, you know, this is a situation. Can these guys do it? Yes, of course. You know, I, I, I don't think that the Browns are trying to not succeed here by not having qualified coaches. And I think one thing that the Browns deserve a ton of credit for is trying to build a pipeline of young coaches. But there is a, there's a calculated risk here of taking a team that is where the Browns are in their competition cycle, right? All, all chips are in the middle of the table. Mm-hmm. We're bringing in Zadarius Smith. And then are the coaches of the caliber that, that meets up with the, you know, the level of expectations for the team? I think that's a fair question to ask. And unfortunately, I think that's a question that you're only going to answer by getting to the season and, and kind of seeing how, how many of these players take steps forward and how many still are, you know, maybe lagging behind where we think they ought to be considering their talent level or draft status. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Switching over to offense, Chad O'Shea spoke, right? Um, one of the few guys to give us some time offensively. It seems to be everybody's in. Let me ask you this. Is the hype on Elijah Moore getting too much? Like, for sure. I think, yeah, I, I mean, it, he's done. He's been all over the place. Yep. He's done a nice job in OTAs. 
He did a nice job in minicamp. He's he's catching everything. O'Shea had to say about him, he's been a really fun guy to coach and, and to scheme for because his ability to play in a lot of different positions. He's a great skill set physically, but the thing that's been most impressed about Elijah is his ability to function mentally across all the spots you put him in. Again, you want to talk about the flip side of the uh, JOK quote spectrum. This is which one here. We've asked a lot of him. We've put a lot of responsibility on him, so he increases his value for us if he increases his role, and he certainly played in a multi-position, multi-role position. So he's everywhere doing everything, and they're very impressed with him. Again, what you want to hear. It does feel like some people think that they traded for, not to put a bad name on Stefan Diggs. Like, yep. it, it, like, it feels like there's a <laughs> there's this, uh, hope Stefan's okay. Um, they, 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 they have traded for this marquee player. I like Elijah Moore a ton. I really do. But I feel like the stuff here, the hype train with him is getting a little off the rails. Like to me, a 700, 800 yard season would be an unbelievably great outcome. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, but here we are. And I think people are thinking this guy is going to set the world on fire. And I, you know, listen, I've got Browns fans in a dynasty fantasy football league and I capitalized on that. Elijah Moore love take advantage of it. You guys wanted to hear that. I know that's why you're listening to this podcast to hear about mm-hmm. fantasy football stuff. Dynasty but I'm fantasy like, football update. Yep. I'm like, hey man, first round pick for this guy, and I got it from a Browns fan. This, the, the, I'm just saying, the hype is, the hype is real, and I think it's, it's, um, it's gone a little too far, a little too far. Yeah, you, on that topic, um, you know, I was listening to some Cre- Cleveland Browns daily coverage of minicamp last week. Um, uh, you know, the, the, those guys are for sure. Um, you know, they're in the building, so they are. They're wearing orange and brown colored glasses, which is the job, right? That's the job description for them. Uh, having said that, they are also, um, you know, they have access that we don't have, right? Because they are in that building. Um, the The comparison that Bo Bishop has been making uh, with Elijah Moore is Percy Harvin. And that's, a, yeah. that's, a, that's something that people have been saying for like 15 years. Get that well, Percy Harvin role. Like, no, there's one Percy Harvin. Stop it. I mean, that's part of it, right? The other part of it is, um, even at his best, Percy Harvin was never a thousand yard receiver. Yeah, fact. Right? Like his best season was 2011 in Minnesota. That's the reason Bishop's making the comparison because Stefanski was there for some of the Percy Harvin years in Minnesota and seems to have that sort of, you know, gadget role in mind for Harvin or for Moore. it's not that that's not a valuable role in the offense. The problem is like, it doesn't really line up to like astronomical production because it is gadgety. Right. And uh, once teams kind of figure out the, the wrinkles that it tends to dry up. Now I think more probably has more legitimate receiver skills than Percy Harvin did. Um, yeah. You know, I think Harvin's gift was his, his supreme athleticism. I think, so I think if more is more, it's hard to say this. If more is, a more fundamentally strong wide receiver and a little bit less athletic. That could be like the best of both worlds, but it's worth kind of just reality checking like best season for Percy Harvin, 2011 in Minnesota, 87 receptions, 967 yards. That is a great season by any stretch of the imagination, but it's also not you know, what a truly elite receiver would produce. Right. And so I think that there just needs to be a little bit more of a sense of like, what do we expect from Elijah Moore this year? It's I think that he's his role is going to be gimmickier than 
we that would, I thought I, it would be. Exactly. I thought he would that, come in and be right. like a more traditional Z. Right. Uh, but he is. It does. You 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 made a great point there. It does feel like they are going to be gimmick, not gimmick. I mean, you're right in saying at it that time. way, but more at of a time. gadgety, yes, right? Exactly. Gadgety right. player. Yeah. Yeah. But and 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 that's not a bad thing. But I do think, um, you know that those wrinkles are going to have to be deployed judiciously so that it doesn't turn from a, from a, to your point, from a gadget to a gimmick where it dries up. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're left wondering kind of, well, how does now, how does he fit in the offense? Right. I mean, I think our vision Jake has been that he is a great complimentary piece to a player like Amari Cooper and really fits well next to Cooper and people's Jones as a third, as a third option in that trio. And I think, some of this stuff lining him up in the backfield, you know, as as uh, the motion player, does that almost in some ways diminish from his overall role? So I I think that there's not only is there too much hype being placed on the player just because he's never really produced at the level that Browns fans are kind of now expecting, but also because it's not, you know, some of this stuff from minicamp has been like, okay, well, is he going to really get the chance to be the true wide receiver that he thinks he can be? Because I think we think that's his best fit for the Browns. And now I'm wondering if they're going to really let him do that. I think they will. I think they're going to use him in a bunch of uh, different window dressing ways to make defenses confused. Now he's never been like, he's never been a runner. He's never been to uh, the point of Percy Harvin. And and I think that's a very appropriate thing to point out here is, is uh, I, again, I think over time people have lost what Percy Harvin used to be. Uh, he was he was a really gifted runner of yes, the football absolutely. too, and yeah. and Moore was never that. He was never that at Ole Miss. So like, I do think that you can can sort of gadget him up in some fun ways and do different things with him and put him in spots. But he like he could be a pitch man and some sort of triple option you want to put together. Or like you know the Chiefs love to run that little speed option. He could be in the backfield and like offset pistol with Nick and be your your guy leaking out the backside. I, I'm fine with that. Those creative usages things are are fine, but. I think it is still really good here that he has, um, you know, the baseline of being a really good fundamentally sound wide receiver. Like the flip side of that is not fun where you're taking a gadget player and trying to make him a receiver that hardly ever works out. We've probably seen that play out more than ever with Anthony Schwartz here right in front of our face. So I think the baseline of who he is gives you a lot of optimism. But again, like if he puts up a 750 yard season, that'd be a huge step in the right direction for him. Mm -hmm. It'd be a huge step but people would probably be disappointed about that. Like there are folks out there who think he's going to be like this automatic thousand yard receiver. And it's like, I, it could happen. It's, it's in the realm of possibility here, but let's like, I just kind of want to give people the idea that they need to proceed cautiously. It's kind of my thing. That's a great point. And, and, and to your point, I just looked up, he had a total of 21 rushes in, uh, you know, at Ole Miss for 71 yards, 3.4 yards of carry. So definitely not, the same type of uh, rusher that Percy Harvin was in college, um, and he really hasn't hasn't touched the ball. But you know, his last season at Ole Miss, eighty six catches, eleven ninety three. Yeah, I I think you know Moore is is a true wide receiver, and I would be disappointed if he was relegated to the sort of gadget, gimmick, motion player role that Kevin Stefanski has kind of had around this offense. I think. Uh, the first year or two, it was, it was certainly in 2020, it was JoJo Natson uh, for a little bit there. Um, you know, I think that was their plan for Jakeem Grant last year. Uh, at times, they've used Anthony, Anthony Schwartz in that in that role, and he hasn't really been fit for it. I, I would be disappointed if Moore is limited to that because I think that he is a true wide receiver and needs to needs really needs to be given those opportunities. I hope so too. I, I, he is. 
at his core, a really comfortable wide receiver. Like he looks his most comfortable playing outside, in my opinion. And um, I, I just like you said, I, the hope here is that he doesn't get relegated to doing something there that is not. They need that role filled. They need to do that thing, those things with somebody. But hopefully that's not him uh, all too often. All right, we're going to wrap today. That's enough. We've talked about, um, you know, pretty much every assistant coach's thoughts, which I think is important to cover in some way, shape or form. We have some great content angles from some people who have submitted some ideas to us. I want to make sure to shout out everybody who takes the time to send those over. Like, thank you. That's really nice of you to take the time to write some of those up and give us these angles. So we have a lot of different things that we're going to talk about over the next two or three weeks. Uh, when we get Andrew's time, I think it'll be fun. Otherwise um, we didn't spend any time on the dog logo because I don't think we should. I think that they covered it well enough on unscripted last night and uh, yeah, just kind of done with it. I, I, hopefully I never buy a piece of uh, stuff, uh, equipment or what, what am I talking about here? Not equipment. I'm not playing yeah. merch here, merch that has yeah. that dog logo on it because it is, is, is awful. Yep. It is about as bad as their rendering of the state of Ohio on one of the years. <laughs> so um, we'll leave it at that folks. That's it for today. Andrew, thanks for joining, man. Appreciate your time, buddy. Always a pleasure, Jake. Thank you. That's a wrap. Check out the OBR. We still have that 60% off your annual membership still going on. We've extended it. Take advantage of it. We're doing a nice thing. Paramount plus a lot of different opportunities to watch some fun stuff. So, um, you know, like I said, 60% off an annual subscription, take advantage of that opportunity and join us in this Browns community where, like I said, we get uh, a whole bunch of outcomes from this Browns community. Heck, we got insiders that are giving us information from the uh, subscriber community telling us about contract numbers and tipping us off. And it's a real big community effort. So join us at the OBR. We really appreciate that very much. That's it for today. Thanks for being here. Go Browns. Catch you later.